Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Accurate. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Jeremy Rutherford at 1015. Jackson, we are loaded for bear, brother. Loaded for bear. Fully loaded. All right, let's get right to it. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to mess around today. We got the little pill six shooter. Pew 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 pew. All right, let's uh let's get it fired up. I remember the first question right at the top of my head. Uh, what a brag! You know, it's not necessarily the most groundbreaking question, but I feel like it's the question that needs to be asked in this situation. Knee jerk reaction to the Tarasenko trade. What do you think about the return? What do you think about the future for the Blues going forward? Perhaps I'm off the mark on this because I was listening as uh, the news broke yesterday afternoon to BK and Ferrario. And then I had a, uh, a meeting with a, uh, a new client, and then I got out of the uh, the office and then went right into my car, and that's right when the fast lane was starting. So I heard Anthony Stalter and uh, Brad Thompson with Jamie Rivers vacationing in his Speedo this week and, uh, and heard their opinions. And it seems like since the immediate instant re- reaction of anger based on the return— I think the majority of Blues fans, I think I'm off on this, and I know we'll have people text in who will still be upset, understand the set of circumstances. The set of circumstances are, if you have a player who has no trade clause, you have virtually no leverage. And so to get a first-round pick in that set of circumstances is a win. I think I think I think it almost would have been received better, as weird as this sounds, if Sammy Blay weren't a part of it. Just because it's like, what? Vladimir Tarasenko, Sammy Blay, even though the Rangers don't care and the Blues probably don't care and whatever. But Doug Armstrong had no leverage, so to get a first-round pick and to move on from that and to begin the process, I listened to all of Armstrong's press conference on 101ESPN.com, where you can listen to all of it. And uh, and Jim Thomas, I believe, asked something along the lines of, uh, so is, uh, are you done trading? And Armstrong goes, do you mean for the night? <laughs> this is just the beginning. Yeah. And from my standpoint, trade, 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 trade. There is now some cap room. And this is what needs to be done. And this is, it's so rare just locally because the Blues haven't done it in a while and the Cardinals haven't done it in I don't know how long. I don't know if it's ever happened in the Bill DeWitt era. Part of that's because the team's been in the mix, but in 16, 17, and 18, they weren't really championship contenders, but they were lurking in either the Central or the Wild Card. It depended on the year, and I would have loved to have seen them do this. 
the Blues play in particular on that homestand and then right before the All-Star break made it easy for Doug Armstrong. Just, it's over. It didn't happen. And Mazalok and DeWitt were in a spot where the Cardinals were kind of hovering, and so they didn't pull the trigger. I love when a team takes a clear path. Even if it's not a winning path in the short term, I think it brings you closer to winning in the long term. So good. That is, I'm I'm not surprised. Right. But to get a first-round pick when a guy has a no-trade clause, you maximized the situation considering two years ago he wanted out and you had a good run in 2021-2022, played the Stanley Cup champions better than anybody else. And, uh, you know, God bless, 91, had a great run. He'll be remembered always as part of that 2019 team and a, a Blues favorite. But it was time, and I am happy that the Blues have moved on, and I would expect there will be a lot of moving on over the next three weeks. Yep, yep, I think that's an accurate statement. All right, bullet number two. Since the 2011 World Series win, how would you best describe the Cardinals' 10-plus year run? Would you call it disappointing? Would you say it's been mismanaged? If you can improve one single area of the franchise over that time, what would it be? Wow, that's a lot. I mean, that's a that's a that's like a six shooter podcast. Bounce back is a bounce back game. For is me. a bounce back game for you? I'm gonna wait until the last bullet. I mean, the first five years are a lot different than the second five years, even right. though they've been to the playoffs by definition uh, in 1920, 21, and 22. But that is a very loose definition. Like, does that make the last five years better than 82 through 87? Right. I would say absolutely not. <laughs> But they've been to the playoffs more times. Yeah. So that's kind of like when you say, well, we go to Bulls around here, and then everybody else goes to Bulls around here. Now more and more people are going to Bulls around here if Bulls mean Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, because I don't think 1920, 21, or 22 could hold a candle to 82, 85, or 87. So with that all established, um, the first half was quite impressive. And I feel like 16 was kind of the beginning of what has begun an era of there there've always been malcontents but but an increasing number of malcontents amongst the cardinal fan base and that either being from uh, frustration with not spending or from frustration with spending and not getting proper return or from uh, if you want to isolate one particular part of the organization it would be the outfield i mean i don't know how many times over the last 7 years we've heard this is the outfield of the future uh god who was it it was piscotti Grichik and Fam, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds right. And then when Fowler was here, who was he with? Was that Fowler, O'Neill, and who would it have been? I don't recall. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, somebody will text it in. I right. know that. So it, when people, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of truth. Sometimes there's truth to cliches, and that's why they exist. Fool me once, you know, shame, shame on, on you. you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. And I think that's where Cardinal fans are. But I tell you, you read this stuff nationally, like this Cardinal offense, this Cardinal offense. I'm going, okay, I guess. I don't know. All right. I hope. Oh, well, what do we have, Jackson? Question Third three. bullet. Question I've wondered for a long time. In baseball, we often see these contracts, these big, especially this year, 10 years, 300 million is usually the ballpark. Uh, and often people cite that these deals seldom work out. My question to you is, from an owner and GM perspective, what would make one of these deals actually worth it? One World Series win, two World Series, significant increase in Ticket and PSL sales, what makes these deals worth it? I like that question. I think it's in the eye of the beholder, but here is my answer. Mm -hmm. My answer is, do you look back at the era surrounding the contract as a fulfilling time for your organization? 
And I suppose that depends on what the owner is in for. I, I think it would be really, and I would love to sit down. I'd love to have a, I probably will do this, especially if I'm down in Jupiter, uh, with Bill DeWitt third or Bill DeWitt Jr. Like at this point, and I know it's it becomes like a, a thing attached to them, but let's, Jackson, can, can we, can we do this together? Please. Let's take a step back. You've literally taken a step back. I am confident that the DeWitt family, those who currently exist and those who will exist in 200 years, will be able to pay their mortgages. And so this thing about, oh, it's just about making money, there comes a time for people, and God bless you if you are one of those people, by the way, where you've got enough. And yeah, it's nice to keep, you don't want to lose, but it's it, that's not... It's not the mindset of somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck or supporting a family in, in your 30s and, you know, grinding. So this thing about, oh, they just care about making money. It's like, yeah, okay. It, it, you know, I disagree. But it's a matter of how you get into the end zone. And there are multiple different ways to get into the end zone. Steve Cohen of the Mets clearly has a different way to try to get into the end zone than Bill DeWitt. What we've seen with the San Diego Padres recently, I, I think, is way more bold than what Steve Cohen's doing. Even right. if he's not spending as much money, he's been as aggressive in San Diego. And he's got A.J. Preller trading for everybody and going all in. Well, both of them can't win the World Series. So I think a lot of it is about legacy. And it might just be, I want to be the one to bring a championship. Yeah. I always want to have that attached. I think that was Stan Kroenke's motive. He wanted to be a god in Los Angeles. And he wanted to shove it up the backside of St. Louis. So it depends on what your motive is. As a fan, I would tell you, did I look back at that time of that contract as a great time for the organization to be a fan? So, for example, the 1980s. 83, 84, 86, and 88 sucked if you were a Cardinal fan. But 82, 85, 87, and to an extent, 89 were incredibly fun to watch and brought division championships when they had more value and three pennants and a world championship. So therefore, I will always hold Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee uh, and Terry Pendleton and the, these guys from these these teams, Tommy Herr, Jack Clark, uh, Daryl Porter. Uh, you know, I'm leaving people out but unintentionally, but I'm doing it off the top of my head as a successful run. Uh, I don't think anybody would ever look back on like the Yachty or Molina contract as being bad because it was part of a run for the Cardinals that was ridiculously successful and entertaining. So it's not just about championships. 2022 ended disappointingly in the playoffs, but I don't know how many Cardinal fans would say 2022 is a buzzkill. Right. You know what I mean? Oh. Because you had a bunch of things going on that were great as a fan. And it yeah. wasn't just Albert Pujols, although that was a big part of it. You had a good team. And you had a variety of different individual accomplishments going on. So from that standpoint, as a fan, it's satisfying. And not everybody's going to win the World Series, and only two teams can even get to the World Series. Jackson, what's your next question? Uh, all right. Fourth bullet. With Tom Brady retiring, LeBron passing Kareem, how do you decide who the go of sports are? Do you think the exercise is pointless? And how do you compare eras when considering the greatest of all time? I'm disappointed in you right now, and I want you to know that because I hold you in incredibly high esteem. Mm-hmm. But the goat question, you might as well be Skip and I'll be Shannon. Well, I'm not asking like who the goat is. I'm saying what is your thought process going into the. the I don't exercise? think about it because I think it's so hack. 
That's my answer. Yeah. I love you. I want you to know that because this is tough love right now. Yeah, I need it. I'm Robin Williams. You're Matt Damon. And I'm telling you it's not your fault, even though right now I think this is your fault because yeah. it was your question. I don't know who else to blame here. Yeah. <laughs> you want to blame Tanner? T. Diddy. T. Diddy? Yeah. <laughs> well, just based on looking at the time, I don't know if we have the time for the rest. We got JR coming up here. Oh, why don't, you, why don't you finish it because I know it's lurking at the bottom. All right. The next bullet then. As a sports city in terms of expansion, do you think that we will ever recover from the loss of the Rams? Could you see a situation where another pro sports teams come here? And what would STL have to do to remove that stain? Uh, I think St. Louis would have to experience a Nashville-like renaissance, to be, to be concise. Uh, do I think the NFL will return here? No. Uh, in our lifetimes, anyway. At the same time, I'm not sure the NFL makes it out of our lifetimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think... You know, we were we we happened to just be talking about something similar to this on TMA in the previous hour, and that is, if you would have told somebody 25 years ago that Nashville, Tennessee, would be a model for cities around the country, they would have laughed at you, or 30 years ago uh, with Austin, Texas. So you know, part of the game in winning, whether it be in investing or in you know. Uh, spotting a trend is to spot it before everybody else does. And what St. Louis needs to do is to get its house in order to become the Nashville of the second half of the 21st century. Uh, At this moment, I see very little sign of that happening because I think you have a leadership issue. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I I think it's possible. And I think you know, I don't. I don't think people sit around and go, "Oh, the Cleveland fans are bad because of the Cleveland Browns moving in 1995 yeah. or '96." Um, I think that stuff goes goes down with time. I don't think people go, oh, "St. Louis, terrible NBA fans." Why? Well, the Hawks. You know, it just it, it goes <laughs> yeah. it dissipates with time. You'd be hard pressed to find people who'd say St. Louis is a bad sports market, but you would find a lot of people who say St. Louis is bad football fans. Yeah. And unfortunately, as we talked about yesterday with that Cardinals retrospective, that's uh something i feel passionately about being bs yep all, all right. right this is the one you really wanted to get to final bullet uh i and will I think, yield my time to the gentleman from ladue do you think the son sacrificing mikhail bridges was one of the points of consternation when they were rumored to be interested in kd over the summer why do you think the sons have now decided to pull the trigger on this move i yield my time to the gentleman from ladue all i need is 30 seconds uh, i think that the western conference has kind of given up on defense you saw with the mavericks training for Kyrie. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies don't look to be playing much defense near the Nuggets, and I think the Suns realized that and said, all right, we're going to give away this perennial Defensive Player of the Year candidate for KD, even though that was part of the, I don't think, I'm speculating here, that that was part of the reason they didn't trade for him over the summer. So now they have it. They have the best offensive line in basketball, and they can compete in the West. It's going to be tough when they get to the Eastern Conference because the Eastern Conference will dog you on defense. How good did it feel to do that on 101 oh, ESPN? It felt. I just felt good to get it out. I just been. I just can't keep telling Matt Rocchio my takes anymore. I needed to get it out to the people. Well, let's see what the people if they they agree. Three one four three nine 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 six four six. If you agree with Jackson's perspective on the Suns acquisition and uh, what really is going on in the Western Conference, Jeremy Rutherford will give us his perspective on that and the Vladimir Tarasenko trade and what is to come next for the Blues and this trade deadline that is starting to get pretty close. It's coming up next on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. This is the Little Piddle Show. Let's give us one moment. We're, uh, we're breaking it down. If you want more on the Western Conference, just slide my DMs. It finally happened. It <laughs> I took couldn't wait any months. longer. I, I mean, I turned the corner from the restroom, and Ryder looked like he was trying to land a plane <laughs> in emergency circumstances. I was like, I'm out of time. I can't do anymore. And I, had, I was had no idea I what to was, say I, when it came back. I got back. in a conversation with uh, one of our general sales managers uh, in the restroom on golf. And and then I go, oh God, I'm in the middle of doing a show, and I completely forgot it. I gotta get, I gotta get out. And then I turn the corner, and Ryder is flagging me down. And I thought to myself, oh poor Jackson. I was I was gonna go much deeper into the Western Conference, but we just played the Rutherford Report the Western intro. Conference, and, and how Colorado lost last night five nothing to Tampa Bay, and they just can't seem to get it right. And there's Patty Maroon in his 700th game, scrapping with eight seconds left. That's what you're talking about. Uh, I'm talking about the revival of the Valley of the Sun. You're talking about the Arizona Coyotes, who you can hear tomorrow night uh, right here on 101 ESPN against your St. Louis Blues. And their beautiful arena. That's correct. <laughs> uh, you're talking about the Suns. Yeah, yeah, I am. Jeremy, I'm sorry that you had to hear all of this. <laughs> I thought I called into NBA Now there for a minute. <laughs> if you want it to be that. Where's Shams? Uh, JR, good morning. Uh, apologize for the delay, and I know you do have some takes on the Durant trade, but before we get to that, I'd like your takes on the uh, the Tarasenko trade. You, you handicapped it, man. You wrote about it two days ago that the Rangers seemed to be the fit that would make the most sense, and uh, like Nostradamus, you called your shot. Well, you know, with those uh, trade fit stories, you're kind of – guessing but there actually was some rumblings behind the scenes that uh, there might be something going on with the new york rangers and so we felt really confident uh, putting that story out a day or so before about what the possibilities could be with the rangers in the end there's so many different ways that trades can take shape in terms of you know how much salary are you retaining what level of prospect are you getting back what are the conditions of the pick that you know it's going to be impossible uh, to nail that but uh, new york definitely looked like a good fit for the blues and that's how it worked out um, yeah, I listened to the entire press conference with Doug Armstrong, and uh, and he talked about the set of circumstances that led to not only the trade, which I think most people expected to take place, but the return on the trade. And uh, you wrote about uh, the makings of that trade. People can read it at theathletic.com, another wonderful piece from Jeremy Rutherford. And, uh, and what transpired not only with the Blues, but also the set of circumstances with Tarasenko. It's a different one than if and when the time comes for the Blues to make other moves because of the no trade clause. Uh, so if you could give the background on that, and then also my follow-up to it, and I apologize for a two-parter that 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 actually is a serious two-parter, what, what has your gauge been on the response of fans to this trade? Because I think the set of circumstances are so important when you're discussing this trade. This is not your standard trade when you're dealing with uh, the NTC. Yeah, I think when you look at that situation with the no-trade clause, and let's keep in mind, this was a long-term contract. This was a seven-year deal that Vladimir Tarasenko had. And so way back when, when Doug Armstrong you know, saw that he had the credentials to be the star, he gave him that no-trade clause. And here we are seven years later, you know, last year the contract, and it's time to move him. 
it is difficult with a no-trade clause for a couple of reasons because, A, you've got to find teams that are interested in Tarasenko, like the player, uh, have the cap space to bring him in, and then also he has to want to go there. And Doug Armstrong told us yesterday that he was still operating off of that no-trade list, uh, that, that list that uh, Tarasenko gave him 21 months ago. Uh, there were several teams on that, uh, I want to say, in the neighborhood of five or six, and, and the New York Rangers were one of them. So Doug Armstrong didn't even reach out to Tarasenko's camp. He just began negotiating with the Rangers because they were on that list. And then he called Tarasenko yesterday and got that approval. But it makes a deal for Doug Armstrong a little bit challenging for those reasons. So this isn't a situation that you can just go out and kind of uh, grab the best offer. There's a limited number of options that Doug Armstrong had. So I think when you look at the return for the Blues to get a number one pick, that's tremendous. I don't know that there are going to be that many teams out there offering that, if any. Then you look at the, the, the conditions of that fourth-round pick. It turns into a third-round pick if the Rangers make the playoffs, which looks like a pretty much a guarantee. So a first, yep. a third, the, pros- the prospect's probably not much, but I think that the, the Blues get a really good return. What have you gotten as far as emails, whatever interactions that you have uh, with your readers and listeners? Approval rating on this trade? Is it high, low? What are you getting? What I've seen so far, you know, in the last 24 hours is uh, positive. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's like they, they like the first-round pick. Uh, you get the third-round pick, uh, you know, and then you see on the other stuff. But I, I think getting Sammy Blay back, you know, people might question that move. He had the ACL tear uh, n- November 21, and he hasn't been the same player since then. Uh, but this is a guy who's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to come in and, and finish out the season with the Blues. Do you re-sign him? That's probably based on what you see here. Uh, and then dealing Nico Mikula, which makes this a, a much bigger trade. This wasn't just a right. trade in Vladimir Tarasenko for some of the best package. This has uh, got some hockey players involved. And, and so you, you trade Nico Mikula, and that was, I think, uh, as Doug Armstrong said yesterday, a way to get a guy like Tyler Tucker, young defenseman, some more playing time. Uh, I got this text from a uh, friend of mine and a uh, listener of the program, big blues fan. He said, one thing to think about with how Armstrong played this Tarasenko ordeal. The trade package was masterful given the circumstances, but let's also look back to the Seattle expansion when Army was able to protect Barbashev, uh, who had a high likelihood of being selected by leaving an injury, questionable Tarasenko, unprotected. To tie that tenuously to the Petrangelo situation, that's one disadvantage of a no-move that Army won't give out. If 91 had gotten a no-move instead of a full no-trade, Barbashev may not be a blue right now. Keep that in the back of our minds for when Barbashev is traded. Yeah, this is like a big tree. There's just so many different ways you can go with with the conversation, the the different branches of what could have happened along the way. You know, what happens if Doug Armstrong trades Vladimir Tarasenko uh, right when he makes that trade request 21 months ago, mm-hmm. and and he was coming off a couple you know banged up years with the shoulder, you probably sell him low even just to get rid of him and don't get much for him. And then of course you know what you alluded to there, uh, the situation with the ex- Seattle expansion draft, you don't protect him. Seattle doesn't take him. You know what if Seattle takes him and flips him for a first? You know they 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 were close to taking him, and sources told me. At the time, the only reason they did not take him is because he did have that no-trade clause and they weren't going to be able to flip him without, uh, with his approval. So, you know, everything's played out the way it has, and in the end, you know, it's over, the saga's over, and the Blues are sitting on a first-round draft pick. Uh, JR, I heard your question to Doug Armstrong uh, asking him uh, about Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Jackson, I imagine you're, you're currently watching uh, 
WNBA highlights. Is there any chance you can pull up that audio this quickly, or yeah. would that be putting you on the spot? Give me a, no, one minute. I can do one minute. Okay. Well, then that, so don't 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 worry about it. I, I don't want to put that. That's not fair. I should have let you know in advance. Point being, when I heard you ask the question, I heard his response. It screamed to me in the same way of Stan Kroenke at his last press conference in St. Louis. Oh, the Rams are moving, even though it was 2012. That also Ryan O'Reilly will be moving, even though Doug Armstrong didn't say that. What was your read on the response he gave you? Yeah, I did. Uh, so for those who didn't hear it, uh, I did ask Doug Armstrong, do you have interest in, in re-signing Ryan O'Reilly? And he said, hey, listen, that's going to stay behind closed doors, but Ryan knows how I feel about him. And yeah, you'd hate to read between the lines, but I think it's a situation where he has told Ryan O'Reilly about the respect he has for him, but probably that he's got to capitalize on a situation here and take advantage of the market. And if you can get a first-round draft pick for uh, Tarasenko, you probably can for O'Reilly, too. So, you know, if you had to, to, to come away with something there after listening to Doug Armstrong, it didn't sound that promising of, of Ryan O'Reilly being back. I don't. The, the only thing that I would follow up on that perhaps is – that maybe there is the understanding that we'll try to get you back here after the year? I know we, we, you and I have discussed that multiple times at different points this year. Do you think that chance has increased, or is that still not going to happen like the Kachuk weight situations? Well, yeah, when I, when I said that way back when, it was just based on I felt like if, if they're going to move on from Ryan O'Reilly, they're going to move on. So, yeah, is there a small chance that he could come back for sure? I just feel like there's so many unknowns when a player goes to a new team, perhaps, you know, in that couple of three months, you know, who knows, they could win the cup and the guy wants to stay there and he comes back for less money, wherever that may be. Uh, you know, maybe the family likes it there. I don't know. I just think that when you part ways, you can talk about potentially coming back, but uh, you know, the chances of it uh, coming to fruition may be uh, pretty low, but uh, yes, sure. If he left, uh, you know, always a possibility. Uh, and as far as what kind of activity and how soon, I enjoyed the question last night. Uh, is it uh, fair to say that you're done trading? Uh, and Armstrong <laughs> says, well, for the night, uh, he knows more is coming. Fans know more is coming. At this point, though, the Tarasenko set of circumstances different because of the no trade clause and perhaps risking uh, the market being flooded and the Blues not being able to get that first round pick. And so he wanted to act while he had it versus, say, O'Reilly, Barbashev, anybody else who might be on the move. What do you think on that? Yeah, so with Tarasenko, listen, I don't, you know, there were a limited number of teams, right? right? So if the Rangers, if the Rangers act on Timu Meyer or Patrick Kane, then that option is completely gone, right. like it is now for Chicago and Kane. Like he can't go to the Rangers now. So, you know, that could have dried up. So I think that's why Doug Armstrong. Uh, makes that move. But you look at the situation uh, now with O'Reilly. Doug Armstrong said it yesterday. One of the reasons he traded Tarasenko so quickly three weeks before the deadline is because the potential of injury. And listen, I was just sitting at Ryan O'Reilly's locker stall yesterday, and he said uh, in terms of coming back and playing Saturday, they've got to make sure he's 100% so he doesn't re-injure that. I mean, if you're Doug Armstrong, the, the medical staff, so on and so forth, and you're thinking about trading O'Reilly, do you wait two more weeks? So you know, that potential could mean that uh, a trade with him comes sooner than, than the trade deadline. We'll see. But, again, that's just based on, on what Doug said, that the potential of injury exists. So uh, I think the, the trades are going to come. I think it could include O'Reilly. I think it probably will. I, I err on the side of uh, Barbashev will, will be gone, and, and I think those trades are now that uh, Doug has kind of taken the stance are going to come maybe sooner than that deadline. Are you going to be able to tell us the team before it even happens like you did with the Rangers <laughs> and Tarasenko? 
I don't think we'll get that lucky next time. <laughs> oh, you're going to fire. Uh, I mean, the one that's been the men- mentioned the most is the Leafs. And then I saw uh, what the Leafs GM said yesterday. They might not be willing to part with the first-round pick in order to get it done. Uh, not specific to O'Reilly, but just in general. Yeah, and uh, Kyle Dubas, the GM there in Toronto, has said that. Uh, you know, it's just a little, uh, you know, do you believe him? Yeah, is, yeah I mean, way. I realize it can totally be posturing at this point. Yeah, and that management group, you know, they're basically on the hot seat. You know, it's, uh, what, year five of, of that rebuild, and they've been knocked out in the first round a few times. So, you know, if they get knocked out again, is that management group gone? I think they're going to try everything they can do, even if it means giving up a first-round draft pick uh, to make this team a, com- a contender. Uh, final question for you. I know things were tense at your house last night regarding the Tarasenko news, and uh, if you could uh, tell me, uh, tell the audience who may not be familiar with your tweet what took place, and also a state of the union at the Rutherford household as of 10.35 in the morning on February 10th, 2023. <laughs> this time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Uh, JR, the floor is yours. Yeah, actually, uh, I got about 125 texts yesterday, uh, you know, friends, media, family, people I met at a barbecue in South St. Louis oh, nice. eight months ago. And, uh, and two of them I responded to. One of them was Jackson. Can you come on tomorrow at 10.15? I said, sure, Piddles. Uh, I'll, I'll be on at 10.15. And, and, and the other was my daughter who, uh, who sends a text. She's big on the text. She's 13 years old. And it said, uh, can you please explain to me, give me a logical explanation of why we traded Tarasenko? That's when she went into all caps on the text message. And why I had to find out from my math teacher. So uh, <laughs> and I did respond to her. I told her to follow me on Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> and oh, I enjoyed that tweet. Uh, JR, uh, great work on the story. And uh, you can read more on the background of the uh, trade at theathletic.com. Jeremy Rutherford with a special appearance here on Friday following the trade of Vladimir Tarasenko to the New York Rangers. Have a wonderful weekend. Fine, sir. Yeah, we didn't need that audio anyway, Piddles. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. JR. Thanks for coming, JR. Thank you, JR. There he is, Jeremy Rutherford, with us here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Now, this is this is this is somewhat TMA business, but it 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 applies to sports in general. So, therefore, I'm going to bring Vatican City business to the Roman Empire. Sure. Jackson has the TMA versus Chris Nagel video officially appeared on the internets. It is going to be up here any moment. <laughs> I was just getting the thumbnail ready. You know, the thumbnail's important. So sure, no, it's a huge... I assume it's going to be me with uh, the putter head in the air reminding people of Jack Nicholas in 1986. I assume that's the thumbnail. It's not, but that's a good idea. All right, maybe it take a couple more minutes here. Um, but, yeah, it's all ready to go. I'm about to throw it up there. Uh, that, so that video will be up, and that will be on YouTube.com slash TMASTL, and uh, it will be magical. It's about 30 minutes of nonsense, and we shock the world against uh, professional Chris Nagel. Uh, all right, Action Jackson, Tim McKernan with you. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura. Jeremy Rutherford was with us there on uh, what took place with Tarasenko and what is to come here between now and March 3rd. I feel like you want to say something. You had, you had the body language of a guy that's kind of leaning forward with kind of like, a, oh, and that's what I thought you were about to say, and. Oh, no, I, got, I mean, unless we want to talk about the NBA trade deadline, I'm useless. <laughs> I can't even play audio. I think you're going to finally get some support in the text line with that statement. Ooh, yeah, well, yeah, that statement. Uh, no one's going to defend me, that's for sure. But I might get support with that statement alone. How about this? 
Yeah. Yeah, anytime it's supportive of me, I read it, though, because I am insecure. <laughs> it's a height thing. Mm-hmm. It's a hairline thing. Skull. Skull, skull, thank you. Right. Uh, so if I see it and it's a compliment, it's like, oh, it's automatic. Tim, I want to commend you on the show. Yeah, well, you, Jackson deserves credit for that. That's not, that's not me. Uh, I want to commend you on the show yesterday. A lot of people in the St. Louis area do not understand, know or understand, and really just are blank-faced when it comes to how ridiculous... Oh, now we got into politics. Bad text read. Uh, The politics in the city of St. Louis have screwed this town over for the last 30, almost 40 years. That's from FedEx Brian. Uh, Overall, Jackson's just (laughs) shaking. Hey, that's bad hosting on my part. No, hey, listen, that's bad. It was, it was, it it was, uh, it was camouflage. It was camouflage bait. Yeah, they'll have a Trojan horse. Uh, If it's bad hosting, that means it's bad producing. Chicken Oh my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. So your oh faults my are my faults, but oh my, not vice versa. Oh, my gosh. Uh, guys, Jackson just admitted he's useless. Way to endear yourself to the audience. It's Brad, and he's in Boca. I like Brad and Boca. Jackson, your take on D1 basketball games in Nashville last night where the officials called 55 personal fouls and 11 technical fouls. I, I would just text this guy directly. I'm like, uh, all right. Anyway, uh, so that video is going up any moment, and uh, we still have the second half of Balloon Party to come, even though there's only 20 minutes left in the show. <laughs> this is Balloon Party from by Mungan St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. I'm going to ask St. Louis Acura starting the third segment at the time where we should be starting the fourth segment. <laughs> well, God, I did. This one snuck up on me, too. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that late either. Well, anyway. Hey, a friend of the show, John Denton, just published this on MLB.com. Three big storylines for the Cardinals entering spring training. Jackson, what comes to mind? Pitching rotation. Yeah, it's a good one. He has uh, question number two which pitchers will lead and get contract extensions? That's a hell of a question, uh, yeah. by the way. Who will be the three starting outfielders? That's his number one. Yeah. And then... And this one's not fair, so I'm not, you can fire one, but I don't think you're going to get it just because it's kind of a overarching... Who is going to be the day-to-day DH? Uh, it's a fair question. I'm not saying it's wrong. His final one is, did the Cardinals do enough to truly be World Series contenders again? Only time will tell, I guess. I just... I don't see it. I believe they're plus 2,000, yep. meaning that 5% of the time or more, they would have to win the World Series out of however many simulations you run. And I know you run a lot of simulations. At least 10,000. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I would do it just because it's fun to have, yeah, it, have it. Yeah. Do I think it is, do I go into this season as a lifelong fan of the Cardinals uh, expecting, not even expect, expecting is not fair, because if you're going to a season expecting a championship, you're only going to be disappointed. But thinking it is within the realm of high probability that the Cardinals win the World Series, the answer is no. What gives me pause is how national baseball people do not see it that way. Yeah. And so I wonder if I am... 
you know, I got to look introspectively here uh, and go, okay, well, why do I feel that way? And my answers would be, I still, and one of the, the Cardinals have this great offense is what the national conversation is like. I just don't see it. I suppose I understand it if all of these things happen. But then you can then apply to the other thing, which is if all of these things happen and then you have a great pitching rotation, it's just not, it's not, it's obviously it's not likely, but it's so unlikely that it probably falls into the category of being 1%. I suppose something that is a monster variable is Jordan Walker. Yep. If that turns into, and I mean, if you have in the middle of the lineup a guy who does something, you know, I mean, to say similar to Albert Pools in 2001 is ridiculous because that's a once in a lifetime kind of deal. But even 75% of Albert Pools in 2001, in addition to Goldschmidt carrying over 2022, Arenado carrying over 2022, Arenado, I still mispronounce it, which is just amazing. And, um, And then Contreras in the middle of the lineup. Take your pick of whether it be Edmund or O'Neill or Carlson. Also, yeah. and I'm not even saying all three or even two, just one of them. Well, then now you got a or Newt Bar. Yeah. Th- then you got a situation. Yep. I just don't think it's. I just don't think it's likely. Right. You know. Right. I, I and I just you know, I'm not going to tell you something just to tell you. That's that's how I see it. And we haven't even touched on the rotation. Right. With so, variables aplenty there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So to answer his final question, which I know wasn't directed to me, it was for readers. Did the Cardinals do enough to be to truly be World Series contenders again? And he wrote, can they compete with the Mets, Phillies, Padres, Dodgers, and Braves? I mean, you're not even talking about winning that Central, which you would like to think is likely. But then once you do, beating one of those teams and then beating them again and yeah. then beating another one of those teams in order to get there. It right. just isn't... But injuries can happen. People can emerge out of nowhere. I mean, if you would have said at the start of the 2000, if we would have been on February 10th, 2006, and said, well, guess what? The Cardinals are indeed going to win the World Series this year. Who do you think won the first two games, uh, or game, who started the first two games one and two of the World Series? And I would have gone, oh, um, Chris Carpenter and God, I don't know. I mean, Wainwright hadn't uh, emerged at that point. He was the closer closer. that year. So, Supon, I don't know. Uh, No, it was Anthony Reyes and Jeff Weaver. I said, excuse Jeff Weaver, the guy with, I don't even know who he was with at the time. So, 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 things, I think he might have been pitching there with his brother at the time. Or maybe you eventually went there. Point being, things change. And Preston Wilson yep. wound up being a oh, huge yeah. part of number three the team's success. And then the guys in the bullpen, and it wasn't Jason Isringhausen because he got hurt. And they wind up being these young guys, Kenny, Johnson, and Wainwright. Yeah. Wainwright became a household name. But so, so the way things can play out with injuries to other teams and with freakish things like the Detroit Tigers not being able to field bunts and convert the throws, you know, you just don't know. But you can operate on probability. And from a probability standpoint, I just don't see it. I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm, I'm not even in the realm of a sweat on it. It'll be such a pleasant surprise if it happens. Yeah. That, and I don't, I don't know if that's where most Cardinal fans are or if I'm in the minority on that. So many variables that you can't. Well, I mean, but, but not even going into the variables on it. Where is the fan base's mindset? Is the, is the fan base more where I am, which is, yeah, I think they'll probably win the Central, be competitive in it, and I just don't think they're good enough to to, to go deep into the playoffs. Probably pretty split. 
I'd say it's you pretty. Think so? I think it's pretty split between the two. I think some people are more down on some of these guys than others, and I think some guys are too high on some guys. This is kind of what I was alluding to. Like people either believe in the variables or they believe against it, and the only time will tell. Uh, you are welcome to give your thoughts. Three one four. Uh, 399-9646. Tim McCartney, Action Jackson with you. This is Balloon Party driven by Mungin at St. Louis Acura. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, hello again, everybody. It's Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, and it's driven by Mungin at St. Louis Acura. Again, I, I now know not to take that physical tell that you're about to jump in with something, but you're kind of on this lean toward the microphone like you're going to be drop-in guy. Yeah, no. But, I, you're, but, but yet, because I misjudged that read from the previous segment, I know that you don't necessarily have a, a drop-in. That's my bad. I got No, re- there's nothing wrong with it. You didn't do anything wrong. Here. It's a bad read. Yeah, which, on t- once again, bad hosting is because of bad producing. Uh, all right, I, I gave my opinion on this, uh, my expectations this year. For the Cardinals, and that uh, has led to a bunch of texts, and I want to make sure I read them here. Uh, my mindset is that this is a playoff team, and you hope they add if they need help in the rotation or outfield at the deadline. That is from Andrew. Now you'll subconsciously be a hater of their success all season. I don't know if that was, if I missed another text. Yeah, but getting into any bowl game doesn't mean you have a chance to be national champion. In this day, in this format, you have a chance to win the World Series as a wild card. Now you'll subconsciously be a hater of success all season. I don't follow the text. This is the risk of just reading the text without filtering them. <laughs> I don't it's like know what reading that means. the little piddle six year before reading it. You'll get a good I want to make question. sure it's for our show also. Because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what the I don't understand. So I'm sorry, I don't know what the text meant. Uh let's see what we got. Oh, have a great weekend, Lisa, friend of the feather. See, that's that's so easy. It's a gem. You don't need to filter that. You know it's gonna be great. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill is the Cardinal wild card. If he can do what he did two years ago, this offense would be insane. That is from the 618. Then you're relying on Arnaldo and Goldschmidt to do exactly what they did last year. The the thing is, is that O'Neal's 21 is the outlier. Yeah. And that's why I just feel like there's a lot of this ifs and hopes, but at the same time, having covered spring training, and I'm probably going down there in a couple of weeks... I also know that one of the great things about spring training, and assuming you're in a northern city, is, for me anyway, knowing the weather's about to change, and you may just love the game of baseball. Also, it used to be that every team had optimism. Now, 15 teams have optimism, and then like eight have a real chance to win. But either way, the point is it's a time for optimism. I don't necessarily want to be a wet blanket. I'm just telling you what I honestly think, and this is how I see it. But here's the thing. For those of you who are irritated by my opinion, fine. I'm the same person who at the start of the National League playoffs said, well, the one team I can't see winning the World Series is the Phillies. And there they were in the World Series. Didn't yeah. win it, but they were there. So it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like I'm—it's just it's my read from watching, God, at this point, 40 years of Cardinal baseball. But at the same time, if you would line up the 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, and 2006 Cardinals, I'd go, okay, well, the 2006 team's the worst team. And that's the one out of, out of all of those seven. And that's the one that won the World Series. So I suppose it depends on what you like. If you love the NCAA tournament, you're probably enjoying what Major League Baseball is doing now. But from me, 
I like the reward of being the best team for six months and then being right there to win a championship as opposed to like getting a bid to the tournament. And here's the reality. If you get a bid to the tournament, you got a shot. And I expect the Cardinals to have a bid to the tournament. I just don't expect the Cardinals to have a real chance to win the World Series. Uh, All right, that'll wrap it up for us. BK and Ferrario are coming up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.